Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40 and also 1 Peter chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6, 7, and 8, and then uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. Isaiah 40 declares, um, and, and voice says, cry out, and I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are like grass, or are as grass. And in verse 8, the grass withers and the flowers fail, but the word of God stands forever. And then in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, Since you call on the Father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as... Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I thought someone fell. Uh, such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, the Lamb without blemish or defect... He was chosen before creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living, enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. You know, Isaiah was quite a prophet, and his, his writings and his teachings of God and of our understanding of life are not only taught to us, but were taught very much as a part of, of the New Testament. And uh, I know and Peter here is quoting it. But he is, he is telling us about the value of the life that we have and the value of our, our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we see from these, from these scriptures that we are mortal, that we are compared to being like grass that withers in the wind or in the sun. Now, some people, um, you know, uh, if you uh, like to mow your lawn, <laughs> some of you will find that the grass kind of stops growing in the middle of the summer because of the heat. And it goes into a kind of a dormant stage and, 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 and just kind of doesn't grow or becomes bristly and, and so on because of the heat and it withers. Well, we are compared to that. That our life, you know, no matter how many years that we may have, of our living, we are compared to being like the grass, that which is here and, and gone in, in, in a period of time. We are mortal. But the, the, the situation that we find here is the word of God is eternal. And as Peter uh, tells us about here in the scriptures, he gives us an explanation or an understanding of Jesus Christ, that he has come, that you weren't redeemed with perishable seed but you were redeemed with that which is imperishable. So when God is part of our life, and when God is part of, of who we are, and the Word of God is part of who we are, it means that we are eternal. 
and that we are here for a purpose. We know that opinions and change and come and go, but God's Word is constant. It's only in God's Word that we will find our lasting value for our lives. Only in God's Word will we find that principle. You know, sometimes I liken it to, uh, you know, we have the game, one of those talk shows has a lifeline. <laughs> well, uh, the Word of God is a lifeline to us. It isn't someone we call up when we're stumped with a problem, but it is the Word of God is the lifeline that travels from eternity past to eternity future, and it travels through our life, and we get to hold on to it. And the more we understand of the Word and the more we understand of the principles of the Scripture, the stronger that lifeline is. And the, and the more we understand, the more we hold on to it, we find that it's not only us holding on to the lifeline, we find that God is holding on to us. So there is a greater purpose for our life than what we see. There's a great purpose, and, and, and sometimes <clears throat> we need to see what those... <clears throat> See what those purpose, what that purpose may be, and what that purpose will do for us, and we find it in the scriptures. There was this lady; uh, her name is Jana Jones. Says during the day, I take a few moments to unwind by reading the Bible. After seeing me do this for several years, my four-year-old daughter became concerned, and she said, "Aren't you ever going to get finished reading that book?" <laughs> Aren't you ever going to get finished reading that book? How long does it take you to read a book, Mom? You know, <clears throat> and sometimes we look at the, uh, at the scriptures and we'll never get finished reading it. We'll never get finished reading the scriptures because we're beginning to scratch the surface of what it, what it is like. There's no other book like the Bible. So the purpose, the greater purpose in life we even have slides now, see? Yeah. We have the greater purpose in life is to know God. And how are we going to know God? We're going to know God by knowing the Word. You can't know God without knowing the Word. And you've got to have, we've got to have an understanding of the Scriptures that includes the whole book. <laughs> we, can't, we can't have uh, an understanding of, of the Scriptures that in only includes parts of it because it's like, just knowing pastor on Sunday morning. Sometimes pastor's more than just what you see on Sunday morning, right, dear? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're all that way. It's, we all are compiled of more than just one aspect of our lives. And, and the scriptures is more than just knowing one book. The scriptures is to know God. There is no greater purpose than our life than to know God. That... And, and we ask ourselves, how well do we know him? How well do we know God? And, and who did we learn that from? You know, we read the word, we read about him. We read the word and we know about his character. We read the word and we know his purpose and we know his attributes and his qualities and his, his temperament. God has a temperament? Yeah, God can be grieved. How many of you have ever been grieved? What's the rest of you like? <laughs> it's too hot to even say. Uh, so. But, you know, we've been grieved. Why? Because we've been offended or, or shunned or it hasn't gone a certain way. 
To know God is to experience his love, to experience his forgiveness, to experience his relationship. Without the word, we make God like us. We make God after our own likeness and after our own sense of value, after our own relationships. You know, sometimes if we've had people who are close to us that have broken our heart, we feel, well, God is going to do the same thing. Sometimes we feel that God is like a, a parent that failed us, and we never really get to that point of trust again. Well, to read the scriptures with the goal of seeing the entire content, reading the scriptures from beginning to end, and now don't start with the book of Genesis to read through the scriptures. It becomes very difficult uh, to understand what God is doing. But if you start with the New Testament, start with the book of John, read the entire book in one setting. Okay, read a chapter in one setting. But the idea is read it through and then go back and read it again and read it again. And as you continue to read, you begin to understand and get a picture that each of the Gospels have a different portrait of what they're, 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 they're giving to us of Jesus. And, and they're, they're written to different... Um, Groups of individuals. You know, whenever you read the genealogies, they're written to Jewish people. Why? Because they, they want to know who you are based upon your family lineage. You read the book of Mark, they have nothing about genealogy, but Mark was written to Romans. Romans didn't care what you, where you came from. They wanted to know what you could do. So you have two different groups of people, two different groups of looking at someone, and you have one of the, each of the books, these two books written to those groups. So understanding what's going into the scriptures and understanding the contents of them. But then whenever we find the contents of them, we begin to find the character of Jesus. You begin to find the qualities of this person who loves us and who is willing to die for us. To read the scriptures with the goal of seeing God and in, in God at work in the lives of individuals and how that transfers into our own life. God is the author. He inspired the book. He inspired the writers. He inspires you and I as we read it. The greater purpose of the word is that no human being could have written it. Such a high standard that is portrayed in the scriptures. No one could have written like this. You take of all the authors that we've ever read and all the books that have ever been written and even the other religions that are out there. None of them compare to the standard that is written in the scriptures. And it is a standard of love. It's a standard of love and of forgiveness, of letting go of the failures and turning, turning over the, the desires to get even and hurt, making God after our own image. Turning those desires over to God that God has a greater purpose and God is the one who will judge. No one, there's no other book written like this. There's no other standard presented like this. There's no other standard that says that bring to me, you know, the idea of bringing your broken-hearted, broken, breaking your failures and your, your, you know, your life and, and all the things that have gone wrong in your life. Bring it in and let it go. <laughs> Nowhere else is there talks about God breathed into man and made him a living soul and man, then man decided that he would abandon his God who created him. And then God decided to pay the price to bring him back. What a concept. God paid the price for our failures. 
so that we could come back to him. <laughs> How many times, you know, you failed, you know, our, God after our image? We wouldn't create a God like that. You blew it, you pay for it. You made your bed, you lie in it. What's that? It's a human philosophy. You ought to deal with it. God says, come to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Find comfort for your soul, find life for your soul. God has a way of working all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. No one else writes like this. No other book is written on the market that's like this. Nothing compares to this book. The greater purpose is to know God, and to know God we must know his word. There is a certain aura about the Bible that generates something inside of us that no other book can do. It doesn't create bondage, it creates liberty. We are changed as we read it. We, we, our core values have, have a challenge to them. Our core values, something goes on inside of us to make us different. The greater purpose is to know God. The second greater purpose is to know yourself. To know me is to... <laughs> what is it? To know me is to... Okay, that's what it says. Do you believe that? To know me is to love me. Do you, know, do you believe that? If you say that, somebody will say, Hey, you know what? To know me is to love me. What are you going to think of that person? Uh, I know where they should go. <laughs> You turn to somebody and tell them, to know me is to love me. Go ahead. And what do you think of that person? <laughs> well, you know, yeah. If you're not sitting with anybody to say it with, um, to know me is to love No, but you see, to know me is to what? You know, we all have a person. We all are a person and we are an individual. We all have qualities good ones and some ones that we need to work on. So, how well do you know yourself? You know, we were at Jackson's birthday party yesterday. Not your, not your Jackson, our Jackson. Uh, his birthday party, one year old. And, you know, people are still asking, oh, who does he look like? Who does this one look like back there, huh? Why, why do we do that? Oh, well, they're going to have this certain characteristic. You know, you, you know and, and, and I've heard teachers and other ones say, oh, you look just like your brother. Now, I don't want that for me because my brothers created problems in school, so I didn't want to look like my brothers, you know, so they would already have a characteristic set in motion. You look just like your brother, so you're the same character. No, Jackson looks like Jackson. When you look in the mirror of God's word... Who do you look like? Who do you resemble? And the idea is that we want to look like the one who created us. We want to have his image inside of us. Um, scripture declares, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for you. God is preparing you and I. For what? For life. For living. Well, what about the failures? Come to God and have them forgiven. What about the present? Ask God for direction. What about the future? God has a plan for you. 
And the third one is, life's greater purpose is to know God, to know yourself, and to know others. To know others. I'm going to give you three questions you can ask that will help you understand someone else. And if you can ask these questions, you better be willing to answer, you better be willing to listen and not correct them. <laughs> Sometimes people like to correct what other people are saying. You don't know anyone like that? Okay. The first question that you want to ask to know others is what do you dream about? What do you dream about? A person's dreams are powerful re revelations of their passion. What do you dream about? What do you really want to become? When a person talks about their dreams, it is as if something bubbles up from within. Their eyes brighten, their face glows, and you can feel the excitement in their words. What do you dream about? Greater purpose is to know someone, to know God, to know yourself. But you know what? These three questions are things that we should understand of our own selves. And they are the same three questions we should understand of God. What is God's dreams for you? What are your dreams? If I want to know someone, I want to find out what their dreams are. The second, what do you cry about? Passion can be uncovered by peeling off the hurts that are deep inside of our human soul. The experience of pain or loss can be a formidable, motivating force. When we listen to a person's story of their pain and their sorrow, to hear a voice that is touched with emotion of the heart is to understand that people have great sorrow that very few people ever take the time to listen to. Their eyes are flooded with feelings. And for a moment you get a glimpse into the intense connection between a person's deepest pain and their greatest passions. So what do you cry about? What grieves the heart of God? What grieves your heart? How do you get to know someone? Find out what has hurt them. And thirdly, what makes them happy? <laughs> I have fun hearing what makes people tick. <laughs> I have fun finding out what, what makes them smile and what brings them to life, what they love to talk about, what, what they find joy in. You know, that was one of, one of the things that people have said about our, our daughter, that, you know, having, having her baby has totally changed my daughter. And, and it's been this, the focus of, of her life has taken on. If you ask her what makes her happy, you know, in the past it was perhaps her, her, her cheerleading and in high school and college cheering and education. And then perhaps it, whenever she was teaching, it was her kids and, you know, special needs classes. And, and you know, what makes her happy? Now, what makes her happy? <laughs> her little guy, you know. It just totally lights up her life. And what makes you happy? What makes God happy? To know God? What pleases Him? To know yourself? What makes you happy? To know others? What makes them happy? It isn't a difficult formula. It isn't something that is 
sideways. It's something that is straightforward. To know God, to know yourself, to know others. It's to know what you dream about, what you cry about, what makes you happy. Enjoyment is an incredible energizer to the human spirit. Tonight we have Bible school or uh, we have sports camp. I've got to change the words. We, got, we have sports camp and you know, and it's a fun time. It's a fun time and it energizes the human spirit and it energizes the other uh, kids and the helpers and it energizes everyone because we operate within a, 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 within a group in which we learn to do certain things. You know, to do certain things but also to learn about Jesus. Because if you don't know the word, nothing is ever really going to make you happy. And our sorrows never really have meaning. And our dreams really don't have an eternal future. We need to know Jesus. We need to know God we need to know ourselves, and we need to take time to know others. And as we find that connectedness, we'll find the purpose of why we were created, why we are here, and the value that you are to have, not only on your life, on the lives of those around you, but on the lives of the little ones that we dedicate to God. God has a desire to connect with us. Amen? Shall we stand? Life's greatest purpose, life's greater purpose, to know God, to know yourself, to know others. What you dream of, what you cry about, what makes you happy. God has a way. God has a way of working in us.